God is good. God is good. This is my favorite subject. God is good. All the time, he is good. He said to Moses, he said, let my goodness go before you. I'm so good. Praise God. Well, we're in our third week of a a series that we've uh, started. Uh, God, why, why bad things happen to good people? And it's an amazing series. It's an amazing topic because it can answer so many questions for us and can set us on the rock of his word and then nothing's going to move us. Jesus said, if you build your house on the rock, the storms are going to come, the waves are going to come, but you're not going to be moved because you're founded on the rock. And the rock is his word. Jesus Christ is the rock. But his his name was the word of God before his name was Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so we've got a blessing that every time we open the word, we're opening Christ. We're opening our kings, who he is and what he has for us. And so let's begin. Praise God, we prayed. And so I want to have a look at and just to do a bit of a review for those that weren't here the last two weeks. Has any, everybody got an outline? If you haven't, if you lift up your hands and uh, our, our hostesses will get that to you. And so the last few weeks we've been looking at God's answer to why bad things happen to good people. I want God's answer. I don't want man's answer. I want God's answer as to why bad things are happening on the earth, even to good people. Um, And so the first week I wanted to answer some of the wrong teaching and the wrong thinking that is um, out there, that when something bad happens, people point the finger at God. It's amazing. Then why do you point the finger at at, at the devil or look at ourselves? But, you know, God's big. He can handle it. (laughs) He can handle it and he can actually answer for himself. And so... um, You know, when bad things happen, as I sort of said, people go and point the finger at God. But when we look at the Word, and you go into the Word, and you see Scripture after Scripture, promise after promise, description after description of who God is and how good He is. That His mercy endures forever. Not sometimes, but forever. That His mercies are over all His works. Not just some of them, not just the good people, but over all His works. And so those kind of scriptures there can just totally change and radically change our way of thinking on who God is. Um, But um, as I said, when people are faced with trial, some of them say, God is testing me. And, uh, And so we looked last week and we looked at the book of James. And I just want to do a little bit of a review here for just a few minutes. We looked at the book of James chapter 1. And it tells us the nature and it tells us the character of God. And James, who is the, the, the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus Christ, he said, let no one, because people were talking about it in, in, in their time, because they were under huge persecution from the Roman Empire, the Christians. And so was Israel. They were under an amazing, you know, well, they were in, 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 under Roman rule. And so James says here, let no one say when, I, when he is tempted, and that word tempted is tested or tried, When you're in a trial, he says, let no one say when I am tested or tempted or tried that I am tempted by God because God cannot, God, circle that, God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone with evil. God cannot be tempted with evil. He cannot be tested. He he can't be. And he's not going to turn around and put that on anybody else. And so God can't be tempted with evil. God does not use evil to create a good purpose or a good outcome. He can't do that. It's not in him. He cannot. It says here, he cannot be tempted with evil. It goes against his character. It goes against his person. And so when we see people that are sick and they've got, you know, there's a disease, there's oppression, all of these things are evil. This is not good. It's evil. And so it can't come from God. And so James chapter 1 verse 17, James continues and he goes and says, he says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good gift, every good gift, every perfect gift. This is stuff that we learn. This is the ABCs of Christianity. Every good gift, every perfect gift where does it come from? It comes from above. It comes down from the Father of lights in who there's no variation. You see, God does not have any variation. He isn't, there's nothing. He, he does not vary. He does not change. There is no darkness in him. 
There's no darkness in our God. You know, in fact, it's interesting that Jesus, when he was healing somebody and, they, and, and, and this woman came to him and he said, he said, healing is the children's bread. Healing is the children's bread. He was taking an Old Testament scripture. And if he said that healing is the children's bread, and that's under the old covenant, how much more under the new covenant is healing for us today? It's healing for us today. We have a covenant that's established on better promises. And so healing is the children's bread. Jesus said, if a child comes and asks you for a bread, would you give him a steak? Would you give him a viper? No, you wouldn't. He said, if you know what to, how to give good things to your children, how much more will I give good things to my children when they ask me? And so these are promises from God, yet we, we can see in reality that people are not living by these promises. Even though Jesus has already paid for, he's already given us all of these promises, um, we're not seeing people live that out. There's a lot of people that are sick. There's a lot of people that are suffering and being tormented. Some people are being oppressed by the devil and some Christians are dying early. And so what is that? And so is there a reason? Yes, there is. And so we started to ask that last week and I covered four reasons why bad things happen. And I've listed them back down here. Josh, can I just stop for a second? These lights are actually quite, quite uh, full on for me. I feel like standing back here. <laughs> that's, that's cool. Thanks. Okay, and so we, answered, we had a look at four of, those, um, four of those reasons last week. God does have answers, and we looked at them last week, and we said um, that for a lack of knowledge, my people go into captivity, or my people are in bondage because of a lack of knowledge. We saw that God in his sovereignty has given man freedom of choice, and we can choose life or death. We can choose blessing or cursing. God in his sovereignty will not override freedom of choice. And we saw that the first man, Adam, he was given the freedom of choice. He was given the choice to choose from the tree, um, to, to all the trees in the garden, or to choose from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He chose evil. And because of his choice, sin and death entered the planet, and so did Satan. And from that point on, we have things like that the whole of creation is now in a, in a, in a turmoil because death came into um, the planet. And so animals started to, to fight against each other. The plants brought forth thorns and thistles uh, and all kinds of stuff. The, the ground was cursed because of Adam. And not only we, we saw that, but we also saw that Satan came into the earth and he's roaring around. And he's allowed to because he was allowed to come in. He was, he, he, um, Adam gave him permission, and so that was from choice. And so let's just have a look at some of these things here um, before we move on. And I wouldn't mind actually doing a session sometime fully on um, dealing with the devil because he is our main adversary. And it's interesting to know that there's very little uh, mention of the devil in the Old Testament. He's mentioned, but there's no teaching on the devil on how to overcome him in the Old Testament. Why? Because they didn't have authority over him. When you have a look at all of the teaching uh, about the devil and your authority and how to deal with him, all of that is in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, because when Jesus died and he rose from the dead, he got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He got the authority back, and then he turned around and he gave it to us and said, now, I've got all authority. Now, you go with that authority. And whatever you allow will be allowed. Whatever you stop will be stopped. Whatever you bind will be bound. Cast the devil out. And so we have authority to do that in the New Testament. And we need to know our adversary. We absolutely need to know him. All the apostle Paul, the apostle Peter, the apostle John, all of them said, do not be ignorant of his devices. Do not give the devil or the adversary an advantage over you. And so if they're warning us, don't give him an advantage. Don't give him a place. Don't give him any room, place, as in topos. Then it must be possible for a Christian to give him a place in their lives. It must be possible for a Christian to allow Satan to take advantage over them, even though we've been set free, even though we have been delivered from the powers of darkness. And you see it all the time. Christians tormented with uh, you no know, sickness. Sickness is an oppression of the devil. Acts chapter six, uh, Acts, Acts chapter ten, verse thirty-eight says. And so, if we're free, how come? there's an open door. And there's a scripture, and I'm going to maybe share it with you in a few weeks' time, that a curse undeserved cannot land. But if a curse is deserved, if it's got permission, it can land on you. And so what are those permissions that we give? Well, unforgiveness. 
Jesus said, if you've got unforgiveness, you're giving place to the tormentor to come and torment you. Fear is an open door, and it allows a curse to land. That which I greatly feared has come upon me. I wasn't quiet and I wasn't at peace and then sudden destruction came. Why? Because I was in fear. Job chapter 3 said. What else is there? Well, there's the wrong confession of our mouth. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. And if we're speaking death, there's no way that life can manifest in our mortal body. If we're saying I'm sick, I'm tired, I'm under the circumstances, I'm depressed. What are you doing? You're giving Satan a cause. You're giving him an advantage over you. And so there's things like that. There's unforgiveness. There's wrong lifestyle. We can't break natural laws and expect to live in life. And so we're living in a very toxic environment right now. Toxic chemicals that are in the planet. Our food chain has been messed around with. And so we have to take responsibility for some of these things and realize that if we want to live in health and we want to live a long life, then we take responsibility. It's not God's fault. It's us taking responsibility and understanding these things. We've made in the image of God. We're intelligent beings. And we can rule over our lives and walk in a, in, in a place of life. And so those are some of the things that we could actually have a look at and, and, and really start to think, my goodness me, am I giving Satan an advantage in some of these areas? And if so, then what do we do? Repent. Repent means turn around and go the other way, ask the Lord to forgive you, and then start walking right. Start speaking right. Start living right. And then he can't have that advantage that he wants. So he can't have a place in our lives. And so praise the Lord. Let's have a look. So all of these things come down to really a lack of knowledge, a lack of good Bible knowledge, not religion, but good Bible knowledge. And so let's have a look and let's spend some time looking at this fifth, fifth area. And I'll take the whole session, uh, whole morning to look at this one. I felt last week that I probably rushed things going through four of them. And uh, some of you might have had information overload. Um, with those four other areas. Um, but let's have a look at this here. So people ignore, why, do, why can bad things happen? Why do bad things happen to us? And why do bad things happen to other people? It's because people ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit, or ignore the warnings and the voice of God. That is one major reason why bad things can happen to us. You know, God's plan, we've said it before, and I wanted to put the scripture down. Uh, I looked at my notes and it wasn't there. I preached it, but I haven't put it down there. That Jeremiah 29, this is what God says in the New Living Translation. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. What are they, Father? He says, they are plans for good and, for, and not for harm or not for disaster, to give you a future and to give you a hope. That's our father. That's your dad. He says, I know these plans I've got for you. I've written a book in heaven all about you. The things that you're going to do, the things that you could do. And they're a good plan. There's no disaster in the story. There's no trauma in the story. There's no sickness in the story. It's only good. It's only got a hope and it's got a future for you. You're not going to be taken out early. That's not my story. My story is long life. I satisfy you and I will show you my salvation. You may walk through the fire because of this trial that's on the earth right now, but you're not going to get burned. You may have to walk through a flood, but it's not going to drown. That's God's good plan. And so God is trying to get this good plan to his people. He's trying to get us to walk out that plan for our lives. But you see what's happening is people aren't listening. <laughs> people aren't listening to his voice or they ignore his voice, or they don't even know that God is speaking. I mean, some people don't even know that God speaks, but he does. He's got a mouth. He's got eyes. He's got ears. He looks exactly like us. If you want to know what God looks like, he looks like us. He made us in his image, and so we look at ourselves, and we can see that God has hands, and he has legs. He's got a, he's got a mind. He's got a thing. He's got hair. He's got everything, like we have. He's just, he's just amazing. He just doesn't have any death in him. And so God is trying to get messages through to us. He's trying to lead us and guide us on the path of life. But people aren't listening. And, uh, and when they don't listen, something bad happens to them. And then they're wondering, God, why? 
But God was actually talking. He was talking to someone. God was warning somebody on the planet that something was going to happen. And either they pray or stop it or avert danger, whatever it is, God would have been looking for someone. God says, I look for an intercessor who would stand in the gap. And God said, I found nobody. I looked for somebody that would listen to me and stand there and pray on earth so I could do something. And he says, and I found nobody. Now that's talking about a savior. And, and he said, so therefore I came myself as a man. And so that's a whole teaching there. But you parents, let's have a look at this. You parents know what I'm talking about when, you say, when I say God's kids aren't listening. You know, when a little baby is born, you know, when a baby is first born and a newborn, they, they can't really understand. They can't hear. And then they start to grow and then they start to recognize sounds and then they start to recognize words. And then eventually they become two or three-year-olds and they can understand you. And when you talk to them and you give them instruction, you absolutely know that that little three-year-old can understand, but he's not listening. He's not listening. You know, you know, and there's all kinds of reasons why it's not listening. All of a sudden, they've got something in their mind, and you know, and, and, and they can hear, but they're not listening. And then other times, you know, when mum, when, when, when you're talking to that little toddler, and they're just so excited about where they're heading, that they're off, and they have no concept of danger. They don't know what's up ahead. And much of your instruction as parents is you're instructing your children so that they can walk on a path of life. And the instruction is coming out all of the time. That's what we're doing as parents. And you can see things up ahead that they can't see. And you understand things that they don't understand. And when they think that you're trying to spoil their fun, no, no, no. You always have their good in your heart and in your mind. They just don't understand. And sometimes they're outright rebellious. They know that they should stop. They know that they can listen. They know totally that they understand. But they are rebelling. And this is exactly what God's children are like. God's got billions of children that he's trying to train. <laughs> How he does it, I don't know. Everyone's got a mind of their own. And everyone's got a pathway. And everyone's on their way and on a journey and doing something great for themselves. And God's trying to direct all of these people and, 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 and show them the path of life. And God has a path that's got green pasture and still water. But many Christians are in a desert why? Because they're not listening. They're not listening to God's voice. And so that's one of the things that as Christians, we, we want to be able to train ourselves to listen to the voice of God. And in our early, in our early walk with, with God, when we came into the things of faith, Kenneth Hagin, he taught us some of these truths about God speaking to us, that we can hear his voice, that we're his children, and how God will speak to us. And so I want to share some of these things with you this morning because if we can grasp a hold of this, and some of you are already walking in it, but just hearing it again, it's, it's going to help us in the areas of making good decisions, and it's also going to help us to avoid danger. It's also going to help us to have an understanding and to be able to watch what's happening in the spirit realm so that we can avert any danger for our children. Jesus said to the disciples, could you not watch and pray? Watch so you don't fall into a temptation. So you don't fall into a trial. God's not pushing you into the trial. We fall into it because we're not watching. And so how do you watch in the spirit? How do you hear in the spirit? The spiritual world is a language. It's a kingdom all of its own and it has languages. And it has sensations. And we can pick these things up in our mind and in our spirit. But we have to understand and we have to be taught these things and, and practice. And, and most of us are actually walking in this to a measure. You know, some Christians are waiting for God's voice and they're thinking, what does God's voice sound like? And they read the Old Testament and they're looking for outward signs. They read the Old Testament, they're looking for a burning bush. You know, God spoke to Moses in a burning bush. Well, my goodness me, if God speaks to Moses in a burning bush, well, maybe there's something in my garden I need to be watching. God's speaking. Well, no. Then you've got the children of Israel. God led them by a cloud. And he spoke to them from the fire and the cloud. And that was, the, that was how God led them. And then you have other people that uh, were led by the angel of the Lord would come down, um, you know, which was Jesus Christ incarnate. He would come down and he would speak to them. 
And then there's other cases where there was a donkey and God spoke through a donkey. Because the people were so hard-hearted and wouldn't listen, the prophet. And so in the end, the donkey spoke and, oh, gosh. Well, I mean, you know, some of these are some of the real things that happened in the Old Testament. And then you have Gideon. God had called this man to deliver his nation. And so God spoke to him. God came and visited him face to face and spoke to him. And he didn't believe God when God spoke to him face to face. And so he said, I'm going to put a fleece out just to make sure that I can hear from you. And so he said, I'll put the fleece out. And if in the morning when I wake up and the fleece is wet and the ground is dry, then I'll know that you've spoken to me. And so the fleece was wet and the ground was dry. I think that was it first. And he said, God, I'm not sure if, I, if I'm hearing you. You're here right now speaking to me and the fleece is wet, but I'm still not sure. So don't, don't get angry with me. I'll put the fleece out again. This time the fleece has got to be dry and the ground has got to be wet. It was dry and the ground was wet. God was working with this man. He was working with him. He was working with what he had. And so he knew that God had called him to deliver the nation of Israel at that time. Now, many Christians are waiting for signs. And I, you hear that in Christian language today. Oh, I've put out a fleece. I've put out a fleece. And I've heard Stephen say, and Kenneth Hagin would say the same thing. Many Christians get fleeced. Many Christians get fleeced. Why? Because the devil can give you a sign. The devil can do all kinds of stuff. I would not build my life on a fleece or on a bird sitting on my windowsill with a piece of bread in his hand thinking, oh my goodness me, that is the answer I need, you know, and walk off and make a, a, a decision for your life based on some outward sign. God doesn't use outward signs for us in the New Testament. That was the Old Testament. God could not live inside people under the Old Covenant. And so he used outward signs and spoke to them. And God didn't speak to every person. He only spoke to the prophet, the priest, and the king. Whereas now under the New Testament, God has come to live inside us. We are the temple of God. God Almighty is dwelling on the inside of us. And so when he speaks to us, he's going to speak on the inside of us. And we're going to hear it. We are one spirit with the Lord. And so your spirit and God's spirit are pulled together in a, in a covenant and when he speaks, your spirit can hear. And the Bible says those who are led by the spirit are sons of God. And that word sons is, 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 has the meaning of a mature son. It's not a, 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 a young child or a baby. It's a mature son because you're learning to be led by the inner witness. Paul said in the book of Romans that we have an, we have a, a, an inner witness that we know all things. In fact, that was John. He said, you have an unction from the Holy One and you know. What is that unction? It's just a knowing on the inside of us. It's not something outside, it's inside. And I'll give you an example of that. When you and I got born again and we asked Jesus to come on to the in, in, into our lives and we just knew and we just know right now that I am born again that I'm going to heaven. I mean, how many know that? We just know that we're born again. Do you have any outward evidence? None. What is your evidence? What is the evidence that you're born again and going to heaven? Where is the evidence? Well, yes, it's written in the Word, but where is any outward evidence? There is no outward evidence. We have a knowing on the inside. And that is the knowing that we need to develop and know and trust to lead us and guide us. You see, there's the teaching again, of a, a teaching that really blessed us and really helped us tremendously as young believers. And it's understanding the makeup of man. That, as I sort of said, Christians are looking for this outward, outward leading, outward signs. But God leads on the inside. And so why does he do this? Because we're a three-part being. We are a spirit. We have a soul. And we live in a body. And God came to live inside our recreated spirit. We, our spirit is now perfect. You are now holy. You cannot sin inside your spirit. You are perfect. It's the holy of holies on the inside in heaven. From, you know, not in heaven, but on earth. Then we have a soul that is in the process of being saved. We're renewing our mind. Paul talks about that in, in Romans chapter 12. Don't be conformed any longer to the, to the world, but be transformed, be metamorphosed transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. And so we have a mind. And then we have a body. And I said to you a few weeks ago, this is our earth suit. 
And when the earth suit gets old and it folds up and it dies, then our spirit and our soul are joined together and they will leave the, the earth and they will be present with the Lord. And so people are looking. They're looking for the outward things from the, from the, from the natural, natural world. And the problem is, you see, even Christians, that they spend a lot of time, people, developing their natural body, developing their intellect, but people spend little time developing their spirit man. And it's your spirit, as it's connected to God and walking with God, that is going to keep us out of, out of catastrophe, out of danger. It's our spirit man that's going to lead us on the paths of righteousness. It's our spirit that is going to lead us to places of prosperity. And so this is the area, and this is the, the, the whole area of our walk with God, is developing our lifestyle with God. Those who are led by the Spirit, they're the sons of God. Praise the Lord. And so let's just have a look at what that voice looks like, because when, um, when we first heard this teaching, and one of the most simple things that we can learn is a scripture here, and where is it? It's... Um, Number three, joy and peace is our umpire. Do you remember, Stephen, that? That Pastor Kenneth Hagin would say, let joy and peace be the umpire of your life. What does that mean? That means that God says here that you're going to go out. Look at it, Isaiah 55 verse 12. It says, for you are going to go out with joy and you will be led out or led forth with peace. And then it goes on to say, and the mountains and trees will break forth in joy before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Um, I mean, that, that's a teaching in itself, because any mountain that comes before you, you go out with the joy of the Lord, you go out with the peace of the Lord, there's any mountains in your way, it is going to part, because God is leading you in that place. But look at this here. It says here, that you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And so this joy and peace is a fruit of our recreated spirit, and our lifestyle should be marked by just an inner joy and an inner peace and a just like it's just smooth on the inside, that everything is good. That there's just a joy, I'm going out with joy, I'm led forth with peace. The mountains, you know, and the trees will clap their hands and all of this kind of stuff. It's just, just, just that walk. Now, Kenneth Hagin said to us, if the joy leaves or the peace leaves and you don't sense that, you've got to stop. You know, if, you, if, 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 if something changes in the atmosphere of joy and peace, then you need to stop and you need to back up and find out when that left, when that sense that was on the inside left. And the first thing that I do, if, if, if I'm just going about my daily walk with God and there's just that joy, there's just that, hey, that, hey we're all good. We're all good. Everything's going well. But if I feel something prompt me, and I feel something's wrong. It just feels, hey, there's something wrong. Something. You know when you walk into a place and there's a horrible atmosphere? You know that feeling. There could be demonic stuff there or there's something's going on. When the atmosphere changes, God wants us to stop. Just like the children. Stop! <laughs> I was talking, taking our wee grandbaby, uh, Judah James, for a walk down the river. And uh, it was uh, last, last year. And I got him out. I can't remember how it was, but anyway, he decided he was going to take off and he was heading straight for the river. And, uh, and I, I don't know how, what, 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 what was. And I don't normally shout at my grandson, but I shouted at the top of my voice. And there was a man next to him. He could see where he was heading. And so he got out of the car and he just started running after him. And it was just muddy. And this guy lost his, one of his shoes in the middle of the mud and was just going after this little guy that was heading right for the river. And, uh, and, and wow. It's that kind of feeling inside that the peace goes, the joy goes, and there's all of a sudden you're actually on alert. And the first thing that God wants us to do is to, well, I mean, the first thing that I have done, I said, Satan, whatever you're up to, I, I, I put a stop on it right now. Immediately out of my mouth comes, whatever you are up to, I don't know. The Bible says we know in part. We don't know everything. When we don't know what to pray for as we ought, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. And so when we don't know what's going on, all we know is the atmosphere has changed. 
and we need to be on high alert and then we first of all come out of our mouth, whatever you're up to, devil, I put a stop on it right now. Whatever you allow, God says, I will allow. Whatever you stop, I will stop. Matthew 16 and Matthew 18. That's our authority, that we are the police force. We execute judgment on, on Satan and so put a stop to him whatever he's up to. Then when you've done that, it's starting to say, Holy Spirit, what's going on? What have I done? What, what, what's happening here? And then praying in the Holy Spirit, as we said, Romans 8, um, chapter 20, um, 8, verse 26, 27, 28. It says, when we don't know what to pray for as we ought, the Holy Spirit helps you to make intercession. And we know all things that you're praying in your heavenly language are going to work for good because we love God and accord according to his purposes. So when we're praying in our heavenly language, when we're sensing that alert, we don't know what's going on, but God says everything that you're praying is working for good. It's working for good. And so that's one of the first things for us to understand is that our life, and it needs to be Means, needs to be marked with joy and peace. Now, I understand when we first come into the kingdom, some people come in with a lot of baggage. They're depressed, they're sick, they're tormented. And so obviously God is going to be working through that with people and, 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 and replacing all of the damage with peace and with joy. But then as we walk on with God, there is a joy and there is a peace. The joy of our salvation. The Prince of Peace has come to live inside us. And so with it, he brings peace. He is a spirit of peace. He's created us to be a spirit of joy and peace. Praise the Lord. And so also it's understanding that we are his sheep and we hear his voice. Jesus said that, my sheep hear my voice. And so it's not panicking here. It's not thinking, gosh, I can't hear him. What does he sound like? It's knowing that, hey, and that's what I confess. I just, I just speak that out. Thank you, Father that I'm one of your flock and I hear your voice and the voice of a stranger I'm not going to follow. Now it's interesting how in some of these, in some of these societies years ago, and I remember watching a program um, of um, the Eskimos and how they farm the, the, the reindeer or the deer and how these deer know the voice of their shepherd and uh, they would come in and, and, and feed and these men would just go or, you know, each, each shepherd each shepherd had a and according to their, those, those, those reindeer or those deer would come to their shepherd. They knew the sound. They knew the sound and they would immediately come. And so he is our shepherd. And God wants us to get to a place where he can just go, and we're on alert. It's possible. I mean, we had a beautiful dog, Rocky, that many of you know. And I would walk him, I would walk him, you know, a couple of times a day, he never had a leash, and I would lead him, and all I would have to do, I would just go, and he'd stop, and he'd look around. Just the most amazing, amazing animal, just, he just would hear, I didn't have to shout, scream at him or anything like that, I'd just go stay, and he'd just hold back in there, and just, and he'd pull back immediately, just look. And God wants us to have a relationship like that, that he's not having to scream at us, that he's not having to chase, chastise us because we're not listening to him. And how does God chastise us? He chastises us with his word. He doesn't chastise us with bad circumstances. It's with his word. Look at this scripture here, and I just absolutely love this scripture in um, number five. The Holy Spirit guides us with his eyes. I love this. Psalm 132 verse eight. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eyes. Isn't that beautiful? The relationship that we can have with God, that we're walking with him, and he's looking at us, and we're looking back at him, and he's guiding us with his eyes. You know, that it's a beautiful scripture. It speaks of a close relationship that we can have. That God just looks at you, just one look, and you know. And, and for me, I'm, I'm wanting that. And I'm continually looking in the spirit I'm continually looking, am I, am I okay, God? I know I'm sort of stepping out here doing this or I'm stepping out, there. are we okay? Are we, and my spirit is continually in communion and talking with the Lord, am I okay? You know, there's some things that I'm stepping out and doing even right now and there's some st things that I'm putting in place right now and I am absolutely in conversation with him the whole time and I'm talking to him and I'm saying, God, you know I don't want to step outside of what you want. I'm just sensing this, but God, I'm waiting. If you say no and you say stop, I will stop. 
If you say stop, I will not go any further. But I'm sensing and I'm just continuing to walk on some of these decisions because I'm believing it's you. And so I'm looking for his eyes. I'm looking for that, 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 that sound. And if, and, if, and if that sound comes and I know it, I'll stop. You know, talking about here, God says, I will instruct you, teach you the way you should go. The way you should go. What is that way? It's a way of peace. It's a way of prosperity. It's a way of goodness. And he says, I'm going to guide you with my eyes. Just one look. Now, parents, you know that look. You know that look. Parents, as parents, your kiddies know your look. They know a look that on, in your eyes that no one else in the room knows. And you look at your children and they know, mommy loves me. Because of your eyes, that you just one look in your eyes and you know mum's happy, you know dad's happy. And there's another look. <laughs> and you know, ooh, <laughs> you know, and it's just a look. It's just a look. That's what God is like. That's what God is like with us. He looks at us and you look back and you can just feel his love. You can feel the approval and the love that he has for you. That he's my dad, and he loves me, and we're all good. But then if we do something, and he's looking at you, and it can be a look of, that is dangerous, or hey, it's a look that, hey, you're now just being disobedient. Come on, get back to where you need to be. And so God wants a relationship with us that is not outward, like a fire, or some other thing. It's just that voice, that still, small voice on the inside. You know, it's interesting how Elijah, uh, God came and visited him. And God visited him and they showed him the fire, showed him an earthquake, showed him a storm. And it said God was not in the fire. God was not in, in, in the storm. As it said, and then there came a still, small voice. And when Elijah, Elijah saw that, he wrapped his cloak around him. And God said to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You've run. Come on now. And so even when Elijah had run, God comes and speaks to him, not with a fire, not with some huge big tornado, just with that still small voice. And sometimes that voice of God, that still, when, even when you're in a rebellion, it melts your heart and you just want to turn around and go the right way. And so just that eyes, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good with us, God. And so let's have a look here that God, the Holy Spirit will show us things to come. And this is good things, and this is also warnings. I mean, God wants you to be, get the best deals in town. He's actually quite partial to you. He, you're his child, and if anyone's going to get a good deal, he wants it to be you. And so if we are listening, he's going to get us the best financial deals. He'll get you the best house to buy. He'll get you the best job with the best promotion and, and all of the package if we're listening. And we're following his path. He's going to show us those things. He's going to show us to call that person at that time. Oh, that's happened to us so many times without number of making a phone call, meeting a person, going to places, ringing this one, that one, and, and then a deal turning out or something happening. Just even the, uh, the last month, I really felt that I needed to go to Australia. I needed to meet a man that was going to be there from America. And absolutely, I knew God. I knew I needed to be there. And I've been looking around and saying, God, I know that I have to be there. I know you want me to be, to be here and to, to meet this man. <clears throat> and Stephen happened to be at a conference um, over, in, over in Australia. And I said, can you meet me down in Sydney? I said, we've got, to, we've got to see this man. And we've got to open the door for him to come to New Zealand. I know that uh, that's what God's asking. And so we went over, and sure enough, it was in a small church, so it was, it was just a wonderful opportunity to meet this incredible person um, that really is on the forefront of something that God is doing in the youth right now. And uh, we were, had the opportunity, because it was a smaller church, to uh, meet him personally and to talk with him and to invite him to come to New Zealand, and he's accepted. And he's going to come um, and be with us uh, uh, next year in, in August. And we believe that this is actually an open door for us, it's ourselves, and not only that, but for our nation. And so that is a door, and that is the unction, and that is the sensing of God that each one of us have. My sheep hear my voice, and a voice of a stranger you'll not follow. You hear the voice of God. You know his language. You know his tones. You know his eyes. 
and speak that out and don't think that you don't because you do. God said, my sheep hear my voice. That's what our daddy said. And so if he says you can hear, then you can hear. Isn't that wonderful? We just need to be listening and practice listening. And so what does that voice sound like? Number eight um, here, it says, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. And I've given you that example. So he's just going to give that sense. The same sense that you know you're born again is the same sense you're going to get when you actually think, I'm going to buy this house or I want to marry this person. Don't put out a fleece. If you want to marry, you need to know it is the right person. You've got to have, have, a, have, have, have the, 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 the inclination in that way that, that, you're, that, that you're right, but then that inner witness in your spirit, absolutely. And so God is going to give you that knowing on the inside, and, and, it, and it's going to also be filled with joy and peace. And if you don't feel a peace about a relationship, then don't move ahead. My goodness me. And that's the same with you parents. My gosh, that is a busy job for, as parents. We're watching, 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 watching. The times that I've watched over our children, we have. And just watching and guarding them. We are God's caretakers over our children. They're his. And God has put us in responsibility to watch and the hours and hours and hours of praying in tongues for my children, I don't know how many <laughs> hours there would be of just sensing something shift for my children and then thinking, gosh, whatever you're trying to do, Satan, I say, stop right now. You're not touching them. And would put a stop on that. And there's one situation that we never stop where God gave us an unction and we're still paying for it with our older son. And I won't go into details, but God gave us something and told us and we didn't stop it. And it caused a huge big flood of situations to happen over and over in his life. God had warned us, so it's no one's fault. God had warned us and we didn't stop it at the time. And so I want to get into that just in a little bit more and just explain that for us as parents and what that looks like. And so, um, so what does the voice of, of the Spirit sound like? I'll give you a couple of examples. It can sound like a still small voice. I know, um, and, and what does that look like? That the Holy Spirit's voice um, can be like a thought and it can be like an inward voice inside. And I'll give you an example. Um, when, I was, um, when Stephen and I were um, first going out and we worked in the Chateau Hotel and um, I was driving, uh, using his car, driving it into Taupo. And uh, in those days, in the late 70s and 80s, you didn't wear seatbelts. And I was opposed to seatbelts because my mother was opposed to seatbelts. And so I was opposed because she was opposed. <laughs> Didn't make sense, but anyway. Um, and so I wasn't going to wear a, I wasn't going to wear a seatbelt, but Stefan had said to me, put the seatbelt on, so I was going to be an obedient little girlfriend and uh, put the seatbelt on to try and impress him. <laughs> so anyway, drove into Taupo and uh, bought the things that we needed to buy, that I needed to buy and by myself. And uh, then I got into the car, ready to head back to... Um, Tongariro, and um, we're just going to back up, and I heard a voice inside me say, put your seatbelt on, and I thought, mm, okay, and so I, 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 did, I decided to obey, and I decided to put my seatbelt on. Coming out of Taupo, past Rainbow Point, I um, ended up overtaking a car, and as I was overtaking a car, um, a car came into me, uh, run to the right, and my car rolled, wrote the car off, and uh, who knows? And, and in that in that situation, I heard heard a voice. Then God saying, "I'm not ready. For, I'm not ready for you yet, Vanessa." And so the car rolled and uh, wrote the car off. And um, I believe that God delivered me for that. If I hadn't had a seatbelt on, I don't know what would have happened. Um, the person that was drove into me was driving home from hospital with a broken right leg. <laughs> turned into me. So, so again, country. You know, we were in the country in Telpo at that time. And so um, the thing is, if, if I hadn't listened to just that, just that thought, put your seatbelt on. What, what if I hadn't listened? Uh, I could have been killed and then family and members would have said, here's this good little Christian girl. Why, God? Why? And nobody would have known that God spoke to me and said, put your seatbelt on. 
And that was the voice of the law. That was one of, one of the, 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 the times when it was just a still, it, it wasn't an urgency. I didn't feel anything, oh my goodness, something's going to happen. There was nothing like that. It was just an instruction, put the seatbelt on. And so it can be just like a thought that's on the inside of you that you just need to go with and obey that voice. Then there's another, another example of, um, of, of God talking and, and, and speaking to us and what that voice sounds like. And it can be an uneasiness, like I said before, just feeling uneasy. Uh, I'll give you this example of, um, um, I, I had a dream, and I've shared some of these with you before, but some of you are new here, so it's, it's worth repeating them. Um, I had a, um, an example of um, a, a dream that I, I, I was sleeping just a, a number of years ago and I had this dream and it just it was just that someone is stealing your mother's money someone is stealing your mother's money now this was a number of years ago and I woke up and I said to Stephen Stephen I said I'm just sensing God say somebody's stealing mum's money and I've got nothing to do with my mother's money she lived in Auckland with uh, with my sister and I mean you just did, never talked money and so I rang my sister and I said, look, Nicola, I said, I've just had this, this, this thought and this really uneasiness and it feels really, really uncomfortable that somebody is taking mum's money and you need to go and have a look at her bank account. And so Nicola went and said, I've never touched my money. You know, I've never had a look at her bank account and like this. I said, listen, I said, this something is wrong. I said, something is wrong and you need to go and check. And so she went and checked and she found $500 lots going out, $700 lots going out every two or three, uh, I don't know, about three days. And, you know, it was just random stuff that was going out and she could just see thousands of dollars had gone out of her account. And the short of it was that we were able to stop that and they gave me power of attorney over mum's finances and we were able to pull that in. And so what say I hadn't listened to that voice and thought it's only a dream? That would have continued to, to go on and we would have lost many, many more thousands of dollars. And so it's just being alert and being aware that Jesus said, watch. What are we doing? Are we watching in the natural? Yes, we're watching in the natural and just looking at things. But we're also watching the atmosphere in the spirit realm. And if it's not peaceful and it's not joyful, then we start to investigate what is going on. What is going on? And this is the way that God can stop tragedy happening. This is the way God can stop dreadful things happening. I mean, how many of you know that God is probably speaking to many of us about what we're eating? You shouldn't be having as much sugar. You know, that'll be going on inside us. There'll be certain things that God is speaking to us. Why? Because some of that stuff is detrimental to our body. And if we carry on breaking and overriding the, the, the unction of the spirit or our conscience, bodies, people's body gets sick. Why? Because we've broken natural laws. There's poisons in some of that food that is actually hurting our body. And then people end up with tumors and cancers and all kinds of stuff. Why? Because there's a whole lot of stuff that they've been doing in the natural that God has been warning them about. And it's only when they have a heart attack that people think, oh my gosh, this is real. And start to make lifestyle changes. Was the heart attack God? No, God was probably warning that person years before. And now, and now that they've sown that, they're going to reap that. And now they need to make lifestyle changes. The sad thing about it is some people have a heart attack and die. And don't get the opportunity to change a lifestyle. Guarantee God is speaking to some of these people about lifestyle changes. He does that in the natural. Why? Not because he's spoiling our fun. He cares for us. It's because he cares for us. I know years ago, as a young, a young person, I was having three saccharin and every cup of coffee and about six, eight, ten coffees a day. And Stephen said, you are not going to have that. It's poison. And so I went on to sugar. <laughs> and then we'd have three sugars and my Milo and two tablespoons of, of, of Milo. And so this whole thing was just a total uh, mix of sugar and, and just absolutely delightful. And... and <laughs> <laughs> and just slowly, God got me off of sugar and got me onto water and started to drink water. So I got off the sugar, off the saccharin, off the, off the sugar, off the Milo. Nothing wrong with it. Well, yes. Um, and then got onto drinking water. And God just showed us 30, 30, 35 years ago, drink water, drink water. This is before water was popular. And God would just show me, look, Vanessa, how you, how you, how you um, squirt down your driveway and how it's beautiful and clean. He says, that's what I want to do with your organs inside you. I want every morning, I want your organs all cleaned out. I want the whole system cleaned out. 
And, and that was a picture that I understood as, an, as a 20-year-old, as 29, you know, 20, what, 25-year-old. And that picture stayed with me. Okay, that's what water does. It cleans out. It actually helps our system and get rid of all of that other stuff. Did you know, and even now recently, they're, they're talking about and they know that sugar, white sugar, feeds cancer cells. And so every time we're having sugar, it actually can feed cancer cells. Our bodies are producing cancer cells every day, but our white blood corpuscles and our white blood cells, they identify them and they can knock them out. It's like a little white army that's on the inside of us. Marvellous. And so we don't have to be afraid of that. But we need to empower our body and we need to be good kings over our body. Otherwise, Satan can take an advantage of us. And God is speaking in those areas, not just some of these other areas. And he'll gently do that. And one good thing about God is when he warns us and when he's speaking to us, he is warning us in good time so we can make adjustments. It's not a big panic. If God is speaking, it's not a big panic. Your normal lifestyle, when he's saying change that, he's giving you time. He knows that you've got time to be able to change that. He knows human nature. Jesus said that he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So he knows what it's like to be a human being. And so he will tell us in good stead and in good time so we can make adjustments and be able to start, you know, straightening things out in our lives. Here's another one. Um, number, number 10. That the Holy Spirit will prompt you, uh, prompt us to pray and avert danger. And so when the Holy Spirit, I've got used to, and again, we've all got used to this. Children have got used to your ordinary voice, your loving voice, your instruction voice, and then there's an urgent voice, come out, you know, like this, get, you know, and they know all of those voices. They know all of those tones and all of those voices, depending on what the instruction is. And there's a voice that's so loud that God will arrest you, and you'll know that you need to stop and, and start to pray. And I'll give you a, a, a couple of examples of that, and again, I've shared these before. Um, there was a number of years ago when uh, we were living uh, uh, in another house and the children were just little and Stephen was taking the children up to, I think it was Foxton, the Foxton Beach, up that way. And I was in a bad mood. <laughs> as you are. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Sometimes we can get in one of those moods as a lady and I'm just trying to figure out myself, am I in a bad mood because I'm in a bad mood? Or am I in a, in a frame of mind because something is wrong? And so this is, we, we, ladies particularly, men seem to be more even keeled. You know, God has blessed them with one hormone and that seems to keep them like this. Um, whereas we've got hormones that go like this and we're trying to catch up with ourselves. And so, and so I was trying to figure out, am I just disgruntled and in a, in a bad, am I in a bad mood or is there something else going on? And as a young believer, I was, I was always feeling very condemned if I was being a naughty wife or a naughty, you know, or a, you know, sort of an unfair mum and trying my best just to pull myself in and not do my own thing and go my own way. And, and so I'm thinking, God, what is this? And anyway, we ended up just letting Stefan go off with the children, go up, up um, north uh, for a picnic and a swim day. And I just stayed home and I thought the best thing that I need to do with myself is sit in the lounge and just pray in tongues. And that's all I knew to do. And I would have prayed for, I don't know, one, two hours and just kept on praying until I'd calmed myself down and until I just felt, it's okay. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And so I just prayed through that whole emotional feeling until everything calmed down and the, and the peace and the joy was back there. When Stephen came home that evening, uh, we had found out and we'd read in the paper, or not in the paper, the news, that there had been some people um, that had been up in the area where he was swimming with the children and somebody had drowned. They got caught in a, in a, in a, in a tow, in a, in, a, in a tidal rip and had got taken out. And so for me, and again with Kenneth Hagin's teaching, when God is alerting us, he's alerting us to avoid danger. Uh, and so what we're doing is we're stopping things in the spirit and then we're praying. We're praying for that breakthrough. We're praying for that safety. We're praying for angelic hosts. The Bible said that the angels are ministering spirits, that they're sent forth to minister for us. The, these angels are here to protect us. They excel in strength, that they're powerful and mighty, but they're waiting for the voice of God's word. 
And so when we start speaking in tongues, that is God's word going forth. The angels are listening to the words, those instructions they understand. Paul said, if I speak in the tongue of men and of angels. And so when we're speaking in tongues, it's an angelic language that they understand and they're activated to be able to work on our behalf and to avert danger for us. And so I totally believe that that day when I was feeling agitated and those hours that I was praying until the peace came back into my heart, I believed that our children would have been saved from whatever situation. We didn't happen to be in that place. Now, if I'd carried on praying, perhaps God would have used my tongue to intercede for the person that did end up drowning. I don't know. I'm not sure. And so God will always call for an intercessor who will stand in the gap so that God cannot, that God can do what he wants to. You know, it's interesting. The Bible says, it says, when Satan comes in like a flood, that the enemy comes in like a flood, and the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And so when Satan comes in like a flood, God needs and God wants to lift up a standard against him. God said, I will be your shield. But we need to activate the shield of the Lord. We need to activate that. And one of the greatest ways is being a, being a person that prays in tongues. And as we're praying in tongues, we're, we're, abs, we're absolutely training ourselves. We're training our mind to be spiritually minded. The Bible says that the mind of the flesh is death. Our mind that's, that's just on the natural realm can bring death, but the mind of the spirit brings life. And so we can have a mind of the natural and we can have the mind of the spirit. And how do we train the mind of the spirit? By feeding on God's word and praying in tongues and making ourselves aware so that our spirit and our soul are working together to see what's going on in the spirit realm. Absolutely wonderful. There's another situation that uh, our daughter, and I'll share the story and then we'll... we'll um, Wind, wind things up. Um, Shekinah was on a mission trip up in Auckland and she was working for, for a church and, uh, um, and they were doing some missions in, in Manukau City, I believe it was. And uh, we sold. At the time, she was 17 years old and she was all excited about going to this mission trip for seven, eight weeks uh, um, and, and going to be reaching the people out, out there. And I think a couple of the kids that are gone, they had got dropped off into a really nice area of Manukau City. And so she kind of, I know she remember her saying, she was all excited because she saw this beautiful house and saw where they were staying. And then her and, is it Jason? They ended up getting dropped off at this funny old commune, a Christian commune that was really, really suspect. In fact, it was disgusting. If Steph and I had, had known what it was like, we would have not allowed her to live there for that period of time. There was all kinds of untoward people that were living in this com commune. They had uh, put, they'd allocated Jason to be on the garage in the top of the loft in the garage outside. Here's this young guy, 17 years old. Uh, and again, the parents weren't there. There was no one there to watch these kids and see what, what on earth was going on. Shekinah was given, a, was, was, was given a room that was an old toilet that was converted, and it was literally about this big. And the toilet had been taken out, the hole was still there, and she had a bed she had a bed that was just put on top of that. Was that correct? And that was for seven seven weeks. And um and we didn't know this as parents. You know, you think Christian, you know. And anyway, at the end of that time, uh, well, I'll finish that later, but during that period of time, I was just praying as I normally did, and I would wake up in the morning, and my prayer time was, was an hour just praying in tongues. I would get up six o'clock before the children, spend some time praying in tongues, just to get myself together, ladies, before the children woke up. If I woke up at the same time as the children, it would be chaos. And so I needed to wake up before the children, pull my soul in, remind myself that I'm more than a conqueror, <laughs> that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me that I am a virtuous woman, that my price is above rubies, that I can do all things that God's called me to do. And I would just speak over myself that I can do all things you've called me to do, and I'd pray in tongues. And so it just happened that during this period of time that I just started to get an alert feeling inside my heart and just, a, just an unsettledness inside me. And so I just started to pray and just spent times in prayer over Shekinah. And it was interesting coming to find out uh, when we picked her up and we saw the environment that she was living in, it was absolutely, for me, it was appalling. And God had obviously protected her in that environment. But she, 
when I was praying, I believe that God also protected her from an incident that happened. She would normally be getting up in the morning and going and, and, and run, doing a, a jog around one of the parks in Manukau City. And this one morning, she woke up and she just felt in her spirit, I don't want to go today. That was the leading of the Lord. It's just, it was just a feeling, I don't want to go today. I'm not going to go today. And she, she, she followed that feeling and uh, come to find out that night that a girl had been raped and murdered, I believe, in that park at that time. And she had decided not to go on that, on that run that time. And so those are situations that we need to look at and think, okay, would, it, would something have happened to Chicago? I don't know. But I'd much rather lean on the side of over-praying and being over-cautious and listening. And if nothing, the, the thing is that if nothing's wrong, Sharaba Kasanda is not going to hurt you. It's just going to continue to build in the spirit realm a fortress and it's going to continue to develop you. And it's going to continue to allow the Holy Spirit to know that you're open to his voice that my people hear my voice and the voice of a stranger, they're not following. We don't have to be concerned that we're going to follow another voice because we're not following another. We're following the voice of the Lord. You know, there's a situation um, when we bought this building and um, we bought the first building and, and, and as a church in 10 years, uh, our church had saved $200,000 uh, back in the early 2000s when we'd first gone. And that was a lot of money back, you know, back then. We've been in here 20 years and we'd, we'd saved 200000 and we bought this building um, and we held this building for, um, I think it was 500000 for for two years. And then um, we thought, we need, we need the next building. And so I woke up in the morning, and I think it was on a Friday, and I just felt, just felt God say, ring Paddy O'Grady. Paddy, no, not Paddy O'Grady, Paddy Tully. Paddy Tully, Paddy O'Grady's the guy we went to Bible college with. Paddy Tully. And I never hadn't rung the guy before, but I rang him. And I just said, Patty, I said, just wanting to ring you, I said, just if, the, if you ever want to sell the building next door, could you let us know? We're interested. And he said, well, it's funny that you've actually rung me. He said, because there's an offer in it, on it. He said, and the offer closes today. He said, and if the offer falls through, he said, I'll sell it to you. He says, but listen, he says, get me a sales and purchase agreement by here, by I think it was Saturday or Monday. He says, and don't you tell anybody. He said, if you tell anybody, the deal's off. And so... We got the sales and purchase agreement, put it in, and got it ready on Monday, and bang, we got that building. And so that's a, that was just a, a, just, just a voice, just an idea, just a thought, ring this person. I've done that so many times, and it's been a God thing, that we just get used to hearing his voice, just like your children get used to hearing your voice, and the voice of a stranger they shall not follow. And so let's just close with this. Jesus was talking and saying, watch and pray. Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but our flesh, the old carnal man, is weak. And so what can we do? We can, we can practice this. We can practice this. And let's just finish with this. So how do we grow to know his voice? Spend time in the word. The Holy Spirit will never lead us contrary to the written word of God. So we need to know our covenant. And then we spend time praying in our heavenly language. And then talk to the Holy Spirit, thanking him that he's leading and guiding you every day. I just thank him every day. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that I hear your voice. Thank you that you're leading me. Thank you that you're guiding me. Um, just speak that out. And then start to watch on the inside. Just be aware of watching on the inside, that joy, that peace. Everything's cool. Everything's great. I go out with joy. I'm led forth with peace. Thank you, Father, that you're leading me with your eyes. You're instructing me. And as we walk with God, he's going to lead us. And we're going to go from glory to glory. We're going to go from strength to strength. And so why do people, why do bad things happen to people? Because they just don't know. They don't know how to listen when God is speaking. They don't know how to activate their authority and activate the angels to look after them. And so is this God? It's not God. It's us, the body of Christ, learning, hey, I need to get knowledge. I need to understand my choices. I need to understand that I've got authority even over the atmosphere. I've got authority over Satan. I need to understand that I can hear his voice. And he's leading me. And most of the leading is going to be joyful. Most of the leading is going to be peaceful. And then there's going to be the times when, hey, I'm on alert and I'm needing to pray in tongues and stop that.
And so, Father, we want to just thank you this morning. Do you want to have the worship team come up? Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning for just this time, just spending time with you, just hearing the language of the Spirit, knowing, Lord God, that you've created us as spirit beings, that we're one spirit with you, that we can hear your voice, and we're not following the voice of a stranger. We don't know that voice. We don't know that language. We know the language of life. And so, Father, we thank you right now, even now, Lord God, that you're leading us this week with good business deals, good decisions. And this is something I was just going to, I was going to just finish with. In fact, I didn't say it, but I was going to say, listen, parents, and I don't want to miss this, you need to discern, you need to discern what's going on with your kids. Discern the, the, the friends they're hanging out with. Are they friends? Just asking your spirit. When you're meeting their friends and they're coming to play, you just start doing a in the spirit realm and start to look in the spirit of who that person is because that child can take your children on a different pathway. The Bible says if you hang around with fools, you're going to learn their ways and be like them. Hang around with wise people, Proverbs says. And so parents, I would so encourage you, while you have that authority, that you look you look at who they're spending time with and cut that off and redirect that. You don't have to tell the children that. You just redirect them. You're wise. You're over them. And you start redirecting them. We didn't do that with our oldest son and it's taken him on another path. And, and again, don't let your logic say, oh, it'll be all right. Let them make choices. No. No. Don't let them make choices until they absolutely demand it. You make choices and redirect them. The same with television programs and what's, what's going on that they're seeing with their eyes, their eye gate. If you discern those things, that you stop that while you have the authority and be a guard over those children, that we are responsible. It's no good looking back and saying, I wish, I wish, I wish. We'd said no. No, do no and say no now and put up a fight now. Much rather have a fight now than have years of torment and trauma watching as a child's going in another direction. And you know that some of you got children and that, are, that are not walking with the Lord. And you know what that feels like. It's the price of a decision. And so you're a watchman and you can pray. And you can stop those things in Jesus' name.